Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 26th of August 2018. Yesterday, Saturday, it rained for most of the day actually and through the night as well last night. And that's the first real rain, real rain has been here for months actually. And it's an odd feeling when you go out during the day before the rain started. When you're walking over moss on top of rocks and so on, and it crunches. And even the grass, the dried out grass crunches as well. Everything crunches because we've been having a long, long, hot, hot, hot spell. Which happens once in a blue moon, you up this way. Because I was going into the history of this particular area. And it's well known for its blueberries and, and fruits and so on. Which is odd too, isn't it? You'd think that uh, something that is a, a place that gets six months of winter would have pretty well a mild summer. But in fact, the books say that this area where I live was really classed as subtropical at one time. So extremes don't really bother me. What's noticeable too, though, is that the wind has gone back in the, the general prevailing direction uh, coming from the west whereas doing all these forest fires and so on, every, every other day I noticed they were coming, it was coming from the east pretty well. And so the, the jet streams have been a little bit altered, and there, there are many reasons for that, as you well know, and uh, some of them are even admitted to uh, by uh, some of the military establishments of the past, talking about the different heart projects which they were testing out years ago. They actually could do that, they said. But anyway... It's amazing that we live in an age where everything that was done, supposedly, or, or was going to happen, I should say, in the book of Revelation, in, say, the Bible, or Apocrypha, talks about the future of dystopian mayhem, chaos, and so on, where society would be running around faster than ever before, Hither and thither, just racing, basically, very fast. I mean, there was transportation and so on. And this odd statement, too, always learning but never knowing. There's never been an age where you can learn a lot of nonsense like today. And you learn nothing at the end of it all. Because most of it's useless data, really useless data. And you have so many agencies working on your minds to make sure that uh, you're consuming useless trivia and data. But also, they talked about an age where parents would be disregarded by their children, and children would hate their, fight their parents, even kill them. And we're, we're pretty going through that whole stage, aren't we? When you really look at it, the whole stage of a chaotic system. Pestilences. Now, pestilences in the past, too, also had crop failures in ancient times. And fruit failures with insects that would just rampage today. And I've read the articles. This isn't science fiction. We have companies in Canada and elsewhere that literally have genetically modified insects for all kinds of. They even sell them. They advertise them, <laughs> supposedly to, to initially to uh, help with crops and kill off the aphids, little little, little pests, and so on. So. Think about that. And then, of course, we have the, all the different biolabs working and great diseases, exotic diseases, and and how we can create even better diseases to kill things, uh, etc. And warfare or any other fear that they, they plan to do. In other words, everything that they talked about 
But even earthquakes, we can cause them too scientifically. Everything can be caused scientifically today. And it's not science fiction. It's not a fiction. It's fact from top military magazines over many, many years, and including the exposés of of tests have actually done in different areas and from different countries, militaries, etc. They can do all this kind of stuff. Years ago, I can remember covering the stories about the search for the so-called Spanish flu to find bodies buried in the permafrost that maybe still had them in hibernation. And they did. Eventually, I went through the series that was on television years and years ago, in fact, and in the papers and how the, 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 the different labs, again, it was military labs initially that were funding all this. And you must remember, in today's system, and it's always really been this way, big private corporations are part of the military-industrial complex. Many of them are started up by, you might call it vaguely the state, whoever that happens to be, and they create really, really factual corporate entities that are... There are real businesses and also fronts for the gender. But anyway, this particular one mentioned a fellow who had been uh, searching for these frozen cadavers and eventually dug them up in permafrost. I think some of them were up in the Alaska area or north of Canada or somewhere. And uh, he, he tried Norway in different places as well. But eventually he got, he got live viruses in some of the corpses. And they took them to the labs, the big ones. Fort Meade was one of them. Or There's one in the States that have, I can't even remember the name of it. They used to have Plum Island too, of course, that back closed, I think, or moved into another high-tech biolab inside the U.S. And we have quite a few biolabs and level fives and sevens even in Canada and the States. Some up here this way too, by the way. So here they are busily, supposedly. And the idea too was to find the, the, this virus, you see to make sure that they could be ready if it ever appeared again. So what they did, they, they, did, they, took, they took the virus, and they had articles in the newspapers afterwards, in science magazines too, of some of these, these uh, scientists altering the killer disease to make it even more of a killer disease, should it ever get released, that is, you know. To see, to, to, not just to see what would happen, but to be prepared for an eventuality that might happen. And so, now the thing is, there's a good chance the particular virus would never have it reappeared again. Because the viruses constantly mutate. A virus is an oddball thing. It's hard to even call it a critter. It's not like a bacterium. It's almost like a little tiny robot in a way. But it goes, it goes through everybody's bodies and it'll leave bits of DNA from the previous victims. And it'll take some of yours and then mutate a little bit. And, and that's how it mutates constantly. And therefore, that's why you don't have the same flu coming around supposedly every year. However, as I said, the Spanish flu really wouldn't have come around again. If, if it even was the Spanish flu, this, this, it's very debatable what actually caused it. Because the, 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 <laughs> there's a big, big background story to that whole thing. When they were giving the first real mandated shots to troops at the end of World War One, over in Europe and then bringing them home. And it was awfully interesting to see the companies involved, by the way. I did documentaries on this years ago too. Toxin, I should say. And they found, there was actual recorded 
statements put out by and by doctors in the field at that time, the military field, who said that it was killing more people. These vaccines were these early vaccines were killing more people than helping them, and they had a terrible pandemic in the military camps because of them. So it was often wondered if, if it's literally the vaccines that were given these early vaccines in the first place, you say, and because. The reason they called it the Spanish flu was because Spain was the first one that they allowed to have it recorded where it's coming from. But in reality, you had all the different camps across Europe where the troops were waiting to come back home, where they were actually giving uh, the shots. And they tried to suppress that news. And so they brought it over with them when they, when they came back home. Why would you want to revise something that burned itself out, had altered until it was... I mean, some of them can become harmless, you say. Once they, once they ran their course for, for weeks and weeks and weeks, they can, uh, that, that's it. So here they get the original one, supposedly, we're told anyway. Uh, they, they, they can get it alive again. And then they also take other one, samples from it and mutate them into the next possible mutation they might go into. That's what we're told. And who's doing it? People who work for the biowarfare industry. There's something... <laughs> How do you explain this kind of stuff to the general public? They've had articles over years and years ago about even techniques to drop missiles into volcanoes that would go down deep, 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 blow up, and then reactivate the volcano by spewing magma all over the surface. You've had the tsunami bombs, remember those, a few years back there? Where there had been articles of military submarines from the West, and they had the diagrams and so on, and the pictures of these things. These subs, they could go down and, and lower robotic arms, go, going even deeper into crevasses to place charges, very high-yield charges, into faults and underneath the ocean, and cause these, they call them tsunami bombs. And it was just before, of course, you had the Fukushima thing happening. What I'm saying is that everything that happens... Everything that happens in today's society, we have the ability to do scientifically. A lot of them quite easily at that. And it's public. It's not conspiracy theory. It's scientific fact. Our money it goes from our tax money, because we're just peasants. Our tax money, and again, peasants must be controlled by good-sounding reasons. Well, you know, you're all going to benefit from this. So you, you, you're, the new one is carbon taxes, and the governments give uh, carbon taxes, big lump sums of these credits, to the companies to start gambling them on a stock exchange. So they get all this money for nothing, literally nothing, bags of wind, you might say, which you don't even need a bag for. You just say you've got it. And they get incredible profits. We pay for it all, though, because the government obviously uses your tax money to give them all the credits. And you've got to pay all the, all the, all the, the, the carbon taxes. That's all you... But it's to save the planet. See, there's always a good reason for it, you know. Income tax was a temporary war tax in the Western countries. I think the U.S. got one. They brought in the victory tax. And those two fingers have been giving you that sign ever since. But peasants are the source of income 
for all corporations. The peasants have to buy the products that they make mandatory pretty well that you've got to have. Even all your computerization stuff and your cell phones for most folk and all the different things that have to go along with it to do their banking and so on. And governments are forcing electronics everywhere. So your, your, your choices are being taken away from you of how you do basic survival things like pay taxes without getting put in prison or anything at all for that matter. As you go cashless, that's where they're all heading, of course, as cashless society. But like Marx said, and Marx did say some truths, because you've got to tell truths to get a following. You've got to point out the injustices to get a following. He did say that all, all wealth really comes from the people, the workers. And it's scavenged off the top by the scavengers at the top, the real Vultures, you might say, the pariahs. Ever wondered, for instance, why, as you go into London, you go through Edinburgh, or different towns or cities in in Scotland, in Wales, and you look at all the different insignia and coats of arms stamped all over the place, and the, the ones for royalty and for aristocracy generally have uh, not always, but generally have predators. You see, they're eagles that prey on, on all the things beneath them. That's what an eagle does. It's up there high, and it looks down, and everything below is its. And it preys on them and eats and feeds off them. Or they have lions, the king of the jungle sort of thing. Again, another predator that feeds off everything else, mainly the herbivores. Everything is a symbol of power and a technique. Albert Pike said the same thing. For those who think that uh, Freemasonry is just a gentleman's thing for a self-help group and self-improvement. And all through, look, look at London itself with its different grand lodges. There's different ones there by there and world lodges and you name it. Because everything is, is under a central command of power. And then they have all the, the higher lodges above them. And the peasants, even at the bottom, are stuck at the bottom. Even the police, they get the bottom ones, you see. So they, are, they feel they're important and they're part of enforcement. They're called a police force. And they use force to make sure the same system is enforced all the time on behalf of their bosses, which are not the public. And they wear a little Masonic tesserated floor around their cap. But the, the point is, is that everybody has their own particular level Oh, it's, a, it's a grade, it's a levelling thing And some of them don't even know that there are ones above them It's the same in everything But your government really isn't your government, for instance Committee rooms in Western democracies Based on the British system Are where the, the, the real planning and work gets carried out The rest of it is, is talking, is parliament, parla to, 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 to talk And the only recourse that the people have when they present whatever it is they present or have a little sit-in with a committee on something where some specialists are pulled in for the topic is to, to, to talk about something, but no laws are passed about it. So you can complain all you want, but nothing is done. I can remember the Hansard group too that comes from the House of Lords, and some years back, and I, I don't have to maybe find a link again, or, but anyway... A guy who was ex-head, I think it was, or head, or way up there anyway, in the Bank of England, was talking to his peer group, because they're peers, and we're not. They can pee higher than anybody else at that level. And he said that the money that was laundered 
by the British government and, and the, the, the instruments of the government on behalf of different organizations. And at the time he was talking, he was talking about money that was, that was put through the big, big banks and be invested on behalf, I think it was the IRA or something like that. It's astonishing to hear him talk about it. This is a man in the know, in authority, talking to his peer group, the House of Lords, as they say, in a matter-of-fact way about what they'd, they put through their banking system. If little Joe Blow at the bottom there was to even send money off in a, a charitable group, a little charity or something that was a con, and didn't know it was a con for some kind of Arab, Arab terrorist organization or something, they'd hammer him. They'd be in the slammer, ready to behead him in, in, in London, in the tower. And this is figurative, of course. But anyway... And they would, they, they would, they would, they would lock you up, and you'd be an evil person. But through the, the instruments of the, the, the British state, they put through. You would understand the system you're living in has got nothing in reality, of, of the way you've been brainwashed to believe it is. It's essential to brainwash the citizens from an early age, and it's done awfully effectively to make them think. This is how the system works. But in reality, it's vastly, vastly different. Vastly different. And other ones that came out in the house, from the House of Commons, it was quite comical, really, because there was a group in there discussing the money laundering from abroad through all the British bank systems. And, and, then, and the, the, that's why the, the prices of buildings in the big cities, not just in London, is, but this is pretty about London, uh, were, were overpriced by maybe £20 million pounds each. But something's worth about £6 million max. They've got Putin values down 26 And the, 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 it's foreign money coming in through different front organisations. That's why it's hard to track them and find out who's behind it. They'll never change that system to make it easier because, you see, this is part of the elite system that runs the world. And they do it everywhere. Vancouver, Toronto, you name it, all over the place. All the big cities. But what was interesting in this one is they had this little talk with experts who came in talking about even the money was laundered through the British banking or London banking system for real estate even from the old Soviet Union, beginning about the 1950s, was billions and billions per, some of them were per month and some were by the year, of pounds, right through the 50s, 60s, 70s and 80s. From a, a nation that supposedly had no foreign currency, it wasn't on any gold standard, uh, and so on and so well, they had money, all right, because they had a, a big, massive slave population, and there were definitely people at the top that were putting money through and laundering outside of their, their country for themselves for the future. Big time. And you'll find, too, the nations were also funding the Soviet Union all through their supposed existence you know, as, a, as, a, as a pretended enemy. And, and in the, the talk, too, they actually talked about the different, uh, some of the, 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 the buildings that had been in, under investigation at one point for all these dummy companies uh, that they laundered money through, and, but nothing was ever done about them. They'd just say, yeah, it's happening, it's happening, but 
nothing's ever done. But the woman in, in charge of this particular little talk, I think it was may have been Pretty Patel, Pretty Patel, who was caught. I think it was the last year I mentioned it on a show. She was given the job under May's government in Britain, or at least the pretended May. I mean, they're not all running it really. There's always forces above them. But anyway, she was in charge of some of the, the dishing up money to supposedly needy nations across the world. But she was going over there and dishing out British taxpayers' money, I think, in, in Israel at the time. This is what the, the, the conflict was, supposedly. And she was doing it in her own time. But apparently it was to get, well, obviously move money around. So so she eventually, she was actually put in charge of this little inquiry. Like, you'd, you'd, you'd get her to sort things, wouldn't you? And she didn't lose her job or anything. She's, she, they moved them. They moved them around. And she's too high profile, and so was her dad, I think, to, to come down in the world. See, the whole world at the top is, is vastly different, as they say. And for the people who say, oh, my God, that's terrible. Look what they're doing. Well, the only nuisance about it all is that you've been found out about it because it's the way it's always been. And you're not supposed to think that badly about them because of your indoctrination and your training. The first thing most folk will say, oh, that can't be true. They often don't have to say anything. They'll just ignore it, the exposés of the corruption. And it's not really corruption. You see, they, 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 how can it be corrupt when this is their system? It's only for those beneath them, on a much lower level, that it would be called corruption. And even then, if they had enough money they were raking in on a lower level, if they paid enough dues and put gifts to the right people above them, it would not be called corruption either. That's the, that's the truth of it. That is the truth of it. Albert Pike, sometimes nicknamed the, the Pope of Freemasonry, talked about nature a lot. They, they talk about nature an awful lot, actually, because it's about the system. That's what they mean by it. In ancient times, for instance, you had, you had, you had nice fairy tales and myths, etc., even to do with animals. But it's all allegorical about humanity and types of humanity, strata and classes of humanity. That's what it really is. But Pike made, made it quite clear, if you understand how they make things clear <laughs> when they talk. He said that we always never talk so plainly as we do when we talk in public amongst the profane. Because they say astonishing things, if you understand what they're actually saying, it's almost like double speak. The way that you hear it is the way you, you actually will understand it. Two different ways, you see. And uh, those in the club understand what's being said. But he did say that we make no apologies for nature. No apologies. Now look at nature again. And... People know about nature mainly, and talk about the animal kingdom and so on. It's different types of animals, once again, with the predators on high. And the lesser creatures being eaten by them. Right? And, and most of them, as I say, are, in, are generally herbivores that 
become the, the, the best and easiest and the most prey for all of these, these critters, you see. So the predators, those who do the hunting, they hunt for their food, they hunt for the prey, are successful. In nature, there's no apology. There's, there's no human scruple in nature when you look at the hunting system of different animals upon the ones below it. You can see the a, a lion or any even an orca going after their prey. And you can't blame them as you watch what seems to be a horrific act as they take down their prey and, and consume them because that's how they're is programmed into them. They haven't been... A lion is not a gazelle, for instance. It's a lion. So can you really blame them, you see? And that's what Pike's getting at. He himself said that the person who wouldn't use their own brain, basically, their own intellect, meaning a, a few cents short of the dollar, was therefore a beast of burden and stake on the table by choice and consent. Is, is what he's saying, remember, he, he was writing mainly for the higher order, in that particular order. There's higher orders, yeah. But he was saying that profiting off the failure of others is just part of nature. As I say, humanity, and looking at humanity with compassion, all of humanity, to them would be a fearful thing in a sense because they would lose their power. If someone isn't quite up to par, they then use them, exploit them, benefit from them. And they'll, they'll, they'll say things like, well, it's always been like this. And uh, things like that, you know, to justify it as well. And they have many different sayings to reinforce this amongst themselves. And they do love the, the, the insignia of, of creatures that hunt or prey on others. And getting back to the, the, the herbivore types that hang around in herds and so on, well, they'll say, what good are they for anything else? They're dumb, stupid creatures. And that's how you talk about the general populations of the planet. If you look at the families who rose in prominence down through ages, they have no problem with exploitation. Either using military forces, economic forces, which again is warfare as well, a form of warfare, and, of, and the natural things they all have in common when they create nations, which is taxation of the workers. And the people beneath them always have to pay taxes just for being there, for existing, on their labor. And uh, they pay taxes for traveling or crossing bridges and so on. You had, you had tolls, etc. All kinds of ways of getting money from the peasants. And this is all explained as being quite natural. But the thing is, to be domesticated, to be domesticated, you have to be trained out of your natural wild state. 
Because natural animals are a problem if you want to try to keep them, rear them, and benefit and feed off them. They want to get away and get free. That's what they do. I remember watching an awfully good documentary on Canadian and American Mennonites that got together, young families from the 1950s, and went down to Belize, a great adventure for young people. And they did hack out clearances in the the jungle by hand. They built their their homes quickly, fairly quickly. They put their first roads in there, rational proper roads in that country. They made that country in a sense and brought in commerce and so on. But they also tried to get the the local cattle from Latin America in. And these, these critters were still partly wild and they wanted to get away and they would struggle and kick and fight. And they eventually they had to bring in the domesticated animals from from the U.S. Proper domesticated animals, slaves, good ones. Well, it's the same with humans. And when you into eugenics, for instance, I, I went through this, the, the different eugenics programs and the histories of it for years, years ago. And detail in Cold Spring Harbor and the Rockefeller Foundations funding it and so on and the Bitter Families for America and all that, and for Britain too. And they had no problem talking about the general population the same way. Any, any more, it was, it was no different really than, than Thomas Malthus, going back to his day, who, and, and Charles Darwin, who copied a lot of ideas. He thought he was a, a great man. He should be he elevated much, much higher, Thomas Malthus. He was one of the first ones to start his little graphs and so on, and say, well, the, the poor is going to breed everybody else, and uh, and there'll be no room to move eventually, and there might feed them, and, and so on and so on. As I said, I've said before in previous talks, in eugenics of the past, they simply rationalized the people being in the state they were in, which was either hunchback, teeth falling out of their skulls before they're 20, rickets, all these things, because of bad genes, bad blood, bad blood, bad breeding. Nothing to do with the... There was... Rather and see, observing the symptoms of something, they saw the people as the symptom. And that's real classist eugenics. That hasn't gone away at all. Now getting back to what I was talking about before Albert Pike and before eugenics and into the system of reviving diseases from the past to make them more volatile and more infectious and more deadly. And I've read the articles. This falls right in with your conditioning. See, news and information is also used to condition you. I'll give you an example. I've read before years ago, and as, as my old talks are used like a gold mine by other hosts all over the place. And you'll hear them often using my talks two days later after I put them out. But they never mention it. <laughs> but they also use my old transcripts and things from talks. But I used to give talks on all of this before, years and years ago. Just to let people know how things really, really work 
and I talked about, I gave her little readings from, say, Jacques Ellul, for instance, the philosopher. Now keep in mind something I mentioned many, many times about doublethink, which was an Orwellian term. I mentioned it years and years. I keep repeating the same stuff every, every few years, at least certain parts of it, because it's always relevant, always. And doublethink was the ability to hold two opposing opinions, diametrically opposing opinions, on the same subject or topic in your head at the same time. And and you would swear they had no conflict with, with doing that. And this is a mind control technique, naturally. But Jackson Law talked about propaganda. He says, must all also furnish an explanation for all happenings. All happenings. A key to understand the whys and the reasons for economic and political developments. That's what you're given. It doesn't mean they're real. You're given this stuff to believe in. News loses its frightening character when it offers information for which the listener already has a ready explanation in his mind. Or for which he can easily find one. See, you're given a lot of excuses in a sense, way, way in advance of anything. So whenever you're told something, your mind immediately will pull up one of the excuses you've been given beforehand, as a preparation long beforehand for everything. It says that the great force of propaganda lies in giving modern man all-embracing simple explanations. It's always simple. And massive doctrinal causes, without which you could not live with the news. And that was from um, Propaganda. He wrote the book called Propaganda, Formation of Men's Attitudes, etc. And he says, Modern propaganda reaches individuals enclosed in the mass and as participants in that mass, yet it also aims at a crowd. But only as a body composed of individuals. What does this mean? First of all, that the individual never is considered an individual but always in terms of what he has in common with others, such as his motivations, his writings, or his myths, things you have in common. So in other words, that's how they, they know you're individuals, but they, they, they say, well, how can we control these people? Well, see what they all have in common. That's a standard thing you get they're taught. Standard thing. In communication theory in university, find out what they have in common before you manipulate them. Then you can manipulate them. If they've got ideals in a certain way, you find out what they are. And you can use all these ideals for completely different reasons to use those people, as long as you understand how to sequence them. That's really how it's done, you see. And it says propaganda tends to make the individual live in a separate world. He must not, it must not have outside points of reference. See, every opinion you're given, you're given very cleverly by techniques, with all media working together at the same time. So you have outside points of reference. He must not be allowed a moment of meditation or reflection. Now think about the standard, what they give you for driving to work, for those who still drive to work. They get up in the morning, and what did they give you? It was at the clock. No, the clock's bad enough. Pavlovian ring, you know. But you get radio, and you get these awful... You ever wonder about these crazy disc jockey things? The, the verbal diarrhea pattern merchants. That you won't say, for God's sake, but you don't turn them off. Folk don't turn them off. They keep listening. 
in case they'll miss something that everybody else will be told, and you'll be the only person that won't be told it. Amongst all this verbiage. Hmm? And they drive to work with that, too. Never mind the fact they're also prompted by the seatbelt signs and the little rain. Ding, ding, ding. And, van, all the, and, and they're oblivious to all this. They're oblivious. They think they're in charge of everything, including their own mind. But anyway, getting back to you getting downloaded with, with, with nonsense every single day. And most folk are getting it at the same time across the, the globe now with the internet and with their cell phones and their cell news and all the rest of it. Anyway, and their Twitters. Understand, everything's consolidated to the same end. And you are the end, the indoctrination of all of, the, of all of you. Anyway, it aims at a crowd, it says, but only as a body composed of individuals. What does it mean? First of all, that the individual never is considered an individual, but always in terms of what he has in common with others, such as his motivations, his writings, or his miss. Propaganda tends to make the individual live in a separate world. He must not have outside points of reference. He must not be allowed a moment of meditation or reflection. Instead, successful propaganda will occupy every moment of the individual's life through posters and loudspeakers, when he's out walking, through radio and newspapers at home, through meetings and movies in the evening. And again, that's from the same same book, Propaganda, Jack C. Long. And you get all that. And movies too, it's all stuck in there in the movies. Novels for children have lots of financing from Department of Culture and government agencies to make sure the right PC things are updated and put in there. Even for children's stories. And all, all novels for adults too. And movies galore. Oh, mm-hmm. Alal also said it was important that for all propaganda to actually take and work, to instill in each child... Through when they first go to school, to instill them. It's almost like a pre-propaganda technique of, of readiness. It's like the tools to simply get downloaded with propaganda without questioning them. It's just without, without that initial indoctrination, subsequent propaganda won't take. He also said that to make the organization of propaganda possible, the media must be concentrated. The number of news agencies reduced it's all handouts now from government agencies and big corporations that you think is news. There are no reporters anymore. The press brought under, under signal control and radio and film monopolies is, uh, established. The effect will still be greater if the various media are concentrated in the same hands. That was Jack's Lull again. He also went on to say, Stalinist propaganda was in great measure founder on Pavlov's theory of the conditioned reflex. That's also what they're using today for 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 shaming techniques. They, they, they make they connect it with word association from nasty words to Nazi nasty word, and to, to, to which has got nothing to do with perhaps what they're, what they're going to claim eventually. But 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 that's how they do it. It's Pavlovian responses until you just oh my god, oh my god, you know. That's how it's done. But anyway, uh, getting back to this this one particular part he's talking about was Stalin. Founded on Pavel's theory of the conditioned reflex, Hitlerian propaganda was in great measure founded on Freud's theory of repression and libido. That's that was also he was getting that from the obviously from um, the Frankfurt School that part because that was their theory. And it says American propaganda is founded in great measure on Dewey, that's John Dewey's theory of teaching, 
And again, that's uh, Jack's Elul propaganda. He went on to say that each medium is particularly suited to a certain type of propaganda. The movies and human contacts are the best media for sociological propaganda in terms of social climate, slow infiltration, progressive inroads, and overall integration. Public meetings and posters are more suitable tools for providing shock propaganda, intense but temporary, leading to immediate action. The press tends more to shape general views, radio is likely to be an instrument of international action and psychological warfare, whereas the press is used domestically, direct propaganda aimed at modifying opinions and attitudes, and must be perceived by propaganda that is sociological in character. Sociological propaganda can be compared to ploughing, direct propaganda to sowing, and you cannot do one without doing the other first. That's again Jack C. Lowell. I could go on and on and on, and I've written, I've read chapters of his stuff before, on different uh, years ago in different shows. But that's just one little example of of a simple, a very simple, a very superficial technique of of indoctrination, actually, because it's far more complex than just that. You, you can sum up a lot in each sentence, but that's that's exactly what you're doing. You're summing up a lot. In each sentence, as opposed to, to explaining it all uh, intricately, which of course you would do to those trainees that are brought in to help the masters. So, getting back to what I was saying, you do, you do need to be domesticated to be organized and fed off by your betters. The systems you live under. I mean, do you really think you you elect people? Ever wondered why? When folk elect folk, nothing really changes as far as what they, they'd ask them to do. Jefferson said it too in the U.S. He said that when you see the same agendas, the same agendas, continuing without break, basically, between changes in the House, he's talking about parties going in and out of the House. When you see the same agendas, just continue then know you're under tyranny. You're under some other system, you see. And you've been under that system for an awful, awful, awful long time. Pretty well immediately, in a sense. Folk in Britain, really, they'll fight and almost die and kill each other over politics. Left and right, left and right, left and right. And they have no idea of what the system really is. The, The people at the top will select all leaders, all leaders for every faction of every darn thing, right down to protest marches. They give you your leaders for everything. Many of the protest marches that they have in major cities across the world are funded by the foundations. They're funded by the very governments that they're protesting against. Uh, But what they do is prevent other ones, maybe real leaders coming along, and being the real leaders, uh, saying the real stuff, uh, and what has to be done to stop all this, or change it for the better. So you're given bogus things, bogus responses. And of course, you know, it's to all these groups today, they network. They all have to network with every other group until you don't know what they're protesting whenever there's a particular meeting. Whatever they're protesting, or what they're chanting, has got nothing to do with what they claim that they're protesting that day. 
But the followers never figured that out. They got a chip in their shoulder that's been, it's been festering, and it helps to fester by the leaders of these groups. A lot of these NGO leaders get the salaries of some CEOs of corporations. And would you follow something like that? If you're protesting against these big corporations and the CEOs? Followers never figure things out. They really don't. They really don't. And at one time, the left used to be yelling about the basic things. It was work, employment, gainful employment, and good wages, a good income. Without a good income, you'll start to notice all the, all the quicker that you're really in a form of slavery. With a little bit better income, you can, just, you can afford your taxes a little bit more, and you'll, you can get a few more toys or whatever it is, and spend more money on entertainment. So it's not as bad. So, so, but often, uh, your bosses, they have massive service to find out just how much you'll put up with financially. They were doing this, these kind of surveys before they, had, they gave you the computer, long before that. There's nothing they haven't figured out. And it's not some occult thing. I mean, it's magical thing. That that says magical. You'd say they're evil people. I would say people who, who exploit other other people on the planet. They're definitely evil. The system is definitely evil. That have people working for them, whose whole job it is is to look down future wars and plan for them in the future and carry them out, including working out how many deaths are is acceptable, etc. I mean. Offered money and profit and domination of other people's. That's the system you're in. That's the system. You know darn well, uh, uh, Donald Trump, for instance, is one example. This is only one. There's quite a few other ones you can go through right now. If Donald Trump was to get on with it and, and get rid of Iran and then Syria, the press would suddenly be, he'd be the greatest guy on the planet. You know that, don't you? The only time he had good press after getting bashed and bashed was, was when he, he set the first salvo of missiles into Syria. And suddenly he was like, oh, he was the champion again. Did you notice that? That wasn't coincidence, folks. You've got this mystery organization, which you hear about a little bit here and there in an occasional movie or comedy you know, sometimes. In the U.S. called the CIA. And you've got this mysterious one in Canada called CSIS. You have other ones too in Canada. And you have the Secret Service in Britain, MI5, MI6, and the Special Secret Service as well. You have the most sad, big one across the world. None of these organizations could exist without infiltration by the others. And a long, long time ago, they all became basically all divisions of the same organization. And when the big organization has big plans and wars and so on, they don't like people interfering with their big plans and so on. They really don't. They really, really don't. And it was the same, too, with uh, Russia coming in uh, in Syria. And, and Russia came in because they had a base there, for goodness sake. And it's a very important base to the particular fleet in that area. 
but uh, it was not looked upon favourably by uh, the big agencies at the top, the, the ones that really are way above your politicians, that even the politicians know, they know better. Politicians get to be up to be politicians because they know what not to ask the ones above them. That's how you get up there. It's like Freemasonry. You don't ask about the secrets of the guys above you. You you know when to keep your mouth shut. That's what that's what government uh, employees do too. Politicians know what not to ask. You'll never hear them say, "Why are we doing this?" Doesn't you don't say that? You don't ask that. And that's how it really works. I'm prattling about this tonight because I looked across all the news. What's given us news? I say most of it now today, and I've mentioned this a few years ago too. Most, and I even gave lots of examples a few years ago. What you're given is handouts by corporations under the guise of news. Happily put in to, to newspapers, which are filler, of course. And the, and the newspapers get some bucks for it too, present that as an actual story. They all do this now, departments of, of health, departments of this, departments of that. And you look into them. I mean, most, most governments today are run by private organizations, all divvied up and farmed out to private organizations. That's how it's done. And your little vote means nothing, therefore, because private companies are not beholding to you for anything. And less government off the hook because they can say, well, we, we can't help you there. We sympathize with you, but you see, we're not in charge of the water supply anymore or, the, or, or whatever particular public institution it used to be that you need. It's all privatized. So let's them off the hook. Well, we can't, we, you know, we can't complain. It's they're private, you see. Yeah. And you are going into a system it's already here to extent, where everything you need is from a private corporation, all working in cahoots with each other. And you might even find there are divisions of each other, one big corporation. That's eventually where it would all work into, just like Google and the alphabet. You're, you're now you're, you're knowing what Wall knew for years and years and years ago. It's all set up by the intelligence agencies and the military-industrial complex. The cybersecurity teams in Britain, with massive PR organizations behind it, are part of it too, for the GCHQ. Lots of stories there, but I won't go into them. But your reality is vastly different than what you've been taught it is. And you've been taught that way, so you'll always have a ready-made excuse. Well, that's why they're doing this, obviously. And you're always wrong. Always wrong. It's plausible. It's, it's what they said. For everything that happens in politics, there's always a good reason, and then there's a real reason. That's how it works. That's how it works. The reason I'm prattling on like this today, too, is because it, it's this rain. It's got my, my nose is all stuffed up. For whatever came down from the, from the air is just astonishing. And they are spraying like crazy again with their with their aerial um, geoengineering chemistry stuff. But at least they've got the winds going back in the right direction again. You know, I guess they switched it back on, and we'll go into some better weather, and I'll be cooling a bit as we go into seasons. But we live in an age, getting back to the beginning of the talk, where everything 
that was predicted for a dystopian future with catastrophes and mayhem and earthquakes and volcanoes and where people would, would be so frightened of it all they would, uh, they would wish that the, that the mountains would fall on them and cover them out of fear. And people would fight each other all the time. And men would fight women, women would fight men. And mind you, they didn't go into other in-betweens anymore, but that was by then. And the children would, would be against the parents, and the parents would have no control over the children. People would be ever learning, but never knowing. Because all you get is trash to fill your head, coupled always with conditioning. Always with conditioning. Masses of conditioning. Masses of it. But never the truth. If your country is truly looked after you, if you in, the, in the fairy tale version of it all, would they be going off to wars that make no sense to you for years? You can understand plunder and stuff like that. That makes sense. You, know, you can understand that. But would they be doing that if they were responsible to you? And you pay for all? And you're left with the fallout and the blowback from it all. Then you bring masses of, of, of refugees into, into countries that are already in Europe, filled to the brim, and broke and bankrupt. Would they be doing that? Do you really think they're just stupid? Do you really think the system that runs this is just stupid? Of course it's not. Of course it's not. It's just that you don't know the real system. You know the good reason, but not the real reason. That's how it works, folks. And the more domesticated you are, like most people, unfortunately, they're happy, they're nice, they're decent, most folk. And they will see the same things you see, including armed police all over major cities at times. And still turn up to watch the parades and all that. And so it's all quite natural. Mm Mm-hmm. There you go. So we can be one of uh, Albert Pike's beasts of burden and stake on the table by choice and consent. Or you can try and break through, and you will be pretty lonely. You will, because you won't belong with the ultra-conditioned and indoctrinated masses who also will turn on you, because it's easy to train them to turn on you, very easy with their conditioning. And it's true, they, they, they'd kill you thinking they're doing the, the, state, the, the society and the humanity a service. That's how easy it is. You think they're all getting radicalized by themselves for nothing? Do you really think so? Do you really, really think so? <laughs> and you won't belong to elite either, because they won't let you in their big clubs. Won't happen. It's like the madness of King George, the movie. Awfully good movie, actually. And you'll see George and his, and his queen uh, sitting at some big do, and the guest being brought in through the, the main door and being announced, and George is saying, who's that? And she's saying, oh, that's so-and-so, so-and-so. Is he a somebody? No, 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 I don't think he's a somebody. And you see, most of you are not somebodies. Because you don't have that predatory hunting instinct 
And that's the reason for it. Short hour, isn't it? It just flies in, especially if I've been sitting here wondering what you talk about. Because it's been a it's been a really weird week in many ways. And I, I at times just I don't want to just sit and prattle and repeat the handout news was given as news which is trash today. So at least I can give you some insight into how the system really works. I hope too that those out west and in California are getting back to some kind of normalcy in some areas after all these terrible fires. Remember too, the Agenda 21, I was going to touch on that, I'll put a couple links up where they actually talk about be far better to have grass growing uh, for, for carbon sinks than have uh, forests and so on. Never let a good crisis go to waste, to say. Hmm? Carbon sinks so that big companies can get money from you taxpayers because they're getting rid of carbon for you. They claim, but they've no proof that that it's actually working. The proof doesn't matter, you see. That's the real world. Anyway, I hope that people are trying to get back to something. A lot of folk have lost their homes. Agenda 21 wants them off the land and out of the forests as well. In the big cities, we know that too. And they keep talking about 2030. 2030 is only one part in milestones and, and so many year intervals for the whole agenda for the 21st century, remember. So if you read the whole agenda for the whole century, you'll, you'll pretty well understand it. The 2030 is just what they've got. They want to have that part by 2030, and then the next part it starts from then. We run by schedule. And you have no say in the matter because you're never given any say in the matter. You're not run by what you think you elect. From myself, Alan Watt from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God or your God's go with you.